Chapter 6 Vaguely Hypothetical Prescriptions Remus woke slowly, stretching and basking in the slow sunlight creeping through the wide bedroom windows. It wasn't until he heard noises from downstairs that he remembered he had guests, who likely wanted caffeine and breakfast. Remus padded downstairs and made a beeline for the kitchen, intending to start a pot of coffee. To his surprise, James pressed a full mug into his hands as soon as he entered the room. Morning, Remus. Hope you don't mind me raiding your kitchen. I've been up for a while and Sirius told me not to wake you, James said, somehow full of energy already. Remus smiled as he took a small sip of the coffee and wrapped his fingers around the warm mug. Morning. You are totally welcome to use my kitchen. Let me know if you need help finding anything. He looked around and found that the dish drying rack was stacked high and all the dirty dishes from last night were no longer in the sink. You didn't need to do the dishes, Remus chastised, looking at Remus. It wasn't me, James said, holding his hands up in defense. Good morning, Sirius said as he walked into the kitchen quietly. I hope we didn't wake you. You didn't need to do the dishes, Remus echoed, but smiled anyway. Lily's still asleep, Jamie, Sirius said, but I think I could use some breakfast anyway. Remus recognized his cue and got off his stool and set about assembling a meal. James intercepted him, however. Remus, buddy, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but you still look half asleep, he said with a grin. Just point me to a skillet. I reckon I can find the eggs on my own. Remus yawned in spite of his best efforts to stifle it and had to accept defeat. Once I finish this cup, I'll help though, Remus promised, sinking back in his seat. A few minutes later, James had scrambled eggs in the pan and bread in the toaster and Sirius was cutting up some fruit. Remus was starting to feel awake enough to set the table, opting to just set down plates and silverware at the kitchen island instead of the dining table. He went to the library to scoop up Noodle, letting her warm up around his half-full coffee mug. Lily walked into the kitchen as soon as James was scooping eggs onto the plate. Careful, babe, he warned her, pointing at Remus with the rubber spatula. There's a snake present. James, Remus said with a laugh. I can already see you being one of those dads with the sixth sense who protects their kids from getting hurt by something. Lily gave James a brief hug from behind before surprising him by walking over to Remus and stealing the snake to place on her own shoulder. Good morning to my best friend, she cooed before laughing at Sirius and James's shocked expressions. They settled into a casual breakfast, but not without their signature banter. Eventually, they were all standing on the front porch saying their goodbyes. Remus briefly wondered if Sirius would stick around at all after James and Lily left, but surprisingly, he was the first to go. The shorter man must have noticed something in Remus's face because he said almost apologetically that he would be spending the rest of the day in the library doing homework. <sighs> I wish I could spend the rest of the day doing homework. Lily complained as Sirius got on his bike. Today, James and I are having a Sunday dinner with my slightly racist and bully passive-aggressive family. They know I'm pregnant, but they actually haven't seen me since I started to show. I bet they'll be disappointed all over again to see actual proof of it. James gave her hand a supportive squeeze, but laughed without much humor. Just wait until they see our baby and get actual proof that their grandchild isn't white. Remus grimaced. Good luck. You know you can always text or call if you need anything. They thanked him and exchanged their final hugs before climbing into the car and driving away from the farm.
Remus took a huge bite of the cinnamon chocolate chip scone Minerva handed him before he sat down. He immediately prattled his praise, only semi-intelligible through the mouthful of food, but Minnie preened nonetheless. They were on her porch, tea and scones on the table between them, one cat on Minerva's lap and one on the porch rail, stalking an amused-looking crow. Tell me about your night, my dear, Minerva prompt. Were these the friends you spent last weekend with? Remus had the brief realization that nothing gets by her evidently watchful gaze, and that if he were ever to have an overnight visitor like that, she would be the first to know, and would likely call him about it the moment she saw their car, or motorcycle, drive away the next morning. He told her about how the night went, sparing a few choice details regarding Sirius. Minnie listened actively to his stories before telling a few of her own from the last week. Apparently there had been some drama at her Bridge and Birds Club meeting on Wednesday. She had won the poker tournament, but when receiving her winnings, discovered that a few members hadn't actually paid their entrance fee, and her jackpot was significantly reduced. She had convinced the misers to engage in a double-or-nothing final game, but one of the members had a full-time personal nurse who put a stop to it. <laughs> Minnie, Remus started, trying not to laugh. Should you really be gambling? He didn't know about the state of her finances, but didn't want her to end up losing everything or getting into a bad habit. Remus, my dear, she said with a fierce glint in her eyes. It's not gambling if you never lose. This time Remus didn't hold back his laughter. He shook his head at her fondly, feeling as though he had the coolest grandma in school. Later, when Minerva started to ask about Remus's love life, he finally asked the question that had been in the back of his mind since last night. Hypothetically, he began, if you had feelings for someone that you were friends with, but you knew it wouldn't work out, what would you do to get over them? Minerva leaned back in her chair and looked out to the front garden and thought, I think, hypothetically of course, that I would question my knowledge that it wasn't going to work out in the first place. What if I was just telling myself that so I didn't get my hopes up and get disappointed? Remus took a sharp inhale of breath through his nose. He wasn't trying to hide anything from Minnie, but the quickness at which she understood what he was alluding to, and the way she immediately questioned whether the problems were all in his head, reminded him of his mother. Hope Lupin used to joke that he should just tattoo the words, You are allowed to enjoy things, on his hand, so she could stop saying it to him. Well, Remus said, what if you had it on good authority from their friend that they don't have a successful history with committed relationships? Hmm, Minnie answered. I think I would want to see how it goes with me anyway. I am not the other people they had unlasting relations with. She petted the now-asleep cat in her lap. But Remus, sweetie, we're not talking about me here. No, Remus answered quietly. I suppose not. Remus, as long as the friendship is still there, you can always wait. It's okay to be idle if you have feelings for someone but don't know how to proceed yet. And if it's hard to be just friends? Silence stretched out after his questions. If he was talking to anyone else, Remus may have felt self-conscious, but Minnie had always seemed to understand him, and always met him with a surprising amount of both empathy and thoughtfulness. I think there is something powerful about that. She finally said, Sometimes it's nice to like someone and revel in all the butterflies and daydreams without worrying about what exactly you should be doing to get yourself into a relationship with them. 
Love is powerful, and it exists in so many forms. Loving a friend from afar is just as strong as starting to date a friend, maybe even stronger, because there is no pre-existing script. You're not going on a date and then waiting a day and then giving a call and then planning a new date and all the while trying not to show off your lesser qualities because, heaven forbid, you scare them off. And then how long is it before you're dating? And then how long is it before you can really be yourself in front of them? Loving a friend is just, it's just all the love of friendship. The understanding and the mutual choice to share each other's company without a romantic end goal accompanied by butterflies and the want, and sometimes also the pain of not being more than what you are. Remus sat back, impressed. He let silence reign as he turned the words over in his head and absentmindedly picked up his empty cup. I think I understand, he said finally. Minerva nodded. I'm glad, but let me ask you this. Do you feel ready to date again? Ready to date again after his parents, they both knew she meant. Uh, think so? Remus questioned. But maybe, I'm not sure, he answered honestly. Minerva nodded again. Well, in any case, take care of yourself, dear. Lord knows I'll nag you enough if you don't. Remus smiled. That afternoon, Remus received two text message alerts from the group chat while he was jotting down notes on the hives. Sirius Black has started sharing location. Text from Sirius Black. Alrighty, James and Lils. I'm going to pray to the Tinder gods that I don't get abducted. I'm sure it'll be boring and a quick drink, but if I'm not home in a couple hours, you can start the search party. There's no way in hell I am going home with him after meeting for the first time, and yes, I mean it when I say that, Lily. Remus felt a pain somewhere in his chest as he stared at the text. Well he said quietly to himself. I guess that's what it feels like then. Exactly what Minnie said. After a few seconds, his phone buzzed again and he sighed before taking it out of his pocket. Text from James Potter. Good luck, mate. I'll kill anyone who messes with you, don't worry. Also, you sent this to all three of us, not just to Lils and I, FYI. Remus half-tucked his phone back into his pocket and half-held it, thinking... Sirius was going on a date. Sirius was going on a first date with someone he met on the internet. Sirius texts James and Lily to let them know where he's going on a first date to be safe. Sirius does this as a normal routine because Sirius has gone on a lot of first dates. And Sirius almost kissed him, but he stepped away because Lily told him it wouldn't work. And then here it is, not working, as he stands in front of a half-open box of bees with his right hand half in his pocket and a halfway dull ache in his heart and a sudden sharp pain at his wrist. He looked down at his right hand, confused by the familiar pain that hadn't been present in so long. Sure enough, a little bee was half alive and walking around, half attached, to the stinger fully inserted into the skin of his hand. The bee must have gotten trapped between the pocket of his jeans and his hand, he realized. So, this is what it feels like then, he repeated. 